What I want to share with you this morning is something that happened to me several years ago. And it's a journey that God took me on. And in this journey, um, the, the sermon that I'm going to give today is a result of that journey that God took me on. And so it started probably back in 2006. Actually before that, because 2006 was when the journey started. But I, I was in between discipleship groups. And I was leading a discipleship group and, and had some time a few weeks in between the next discipleship group that would start. And I was doing discipleship with men. And, and so I had some time and I thought, you know what, God, I really want to study something, but I just don't know what to study. So God took me to a passage of scripture that I had read hundreds of times before. But as I read it this time, a couple of things jumped off the page at me that I'd never really focused in on. That happened to you when you read the Word of God? where you're in a time in your life where you really don't know why, but it, it just jumps up and, and, and something happens inside of you that says, man, I haven't really seen that before. And this happened to me, and I didn't know at the time what it meant, but later found out why God was taking me on this journey is because I was diagnosed with cancer, prostate cancer, and thought, this is it. I'm not going to see my kids grow up. I won't be able to walk my daughters down the aisle. Um, I'm going to leave Sherry with three young kids. And, and, and all those thoughts were began running through my mind. And God took me to this study, and I want to share it with you. Because I th in the end, what God did, and, and by the way, he's still adding to this story every day. And so I, 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 I'm not through with this story yet. But as it's happened to me, I want to share it with you, and hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to have the passage of Scripture up on the screen. But let's, let me read this, um, and then what we'll do is uh, we'll spend some time at it. But would you mind standing as we read the Word of God? I'd like to just honor God in this way as we read His Word. And this is the passage of Scripture that I read. But whatever gain I had... I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And that's the first thing that jumped out to me, and I, I kind of highlighted it up there. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him. Again, that word know jumped out at me. And the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word. It is living and powerful. It is active. It is alive and well within this world. It's alive and well within our lives. It's alive and well within this church. And Father, as we open up your word and we begin to dig into this, Lord, I pray that you would open up the door for us, that we might be able to understand what it means to know you. And Father, I thank you for the journey you took me on. And I thank, for, thank you for the intimacy that I experience and continue to experience on a day-to-day -day basis. And Lord, I pray to that end that you would guide our hearts and our thoughts. May the words that I speak today be the words of life. May they come from you, not from me. And Lord, that we want to honor you and we want to honor your word. And we want to understand it to the deepest level that we can. And so, Father, we give you this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. An old preacher and a professional actor... Um, both attended a social gathering for the actor 
And there were a lot of people that came to the actor and said, hey, can you recite this work? Will you do this? Will you do that? And the preacher, the old preacher asked, hey, will you recite Psalm 23? And the actor said, yeah, I'll recite Psalm 23 if you will. And the preacher agreed. And so the actor began reciting the 23rd Psalm. And when he was finished, everybody just clapped at the professional delivery and just thought that was a wonderful, wonderful rendition of Psalm 23. But then came the old preacher's turn. Got up and read with a raspy voice the 23rd Psalm. And when he finished, everybody wept. Somebody leaned over to the actor and said, what's the difference? And he said, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. I wonder, do you know the great shepherd? Do you know him intimately? Tim Stafford said this, he said, I quote, A little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. Unless I'm not sure how much we can accomplish in a sermon together, but I just want to share with you the journey that God took me on, and maybe it will open up a door of opportunity for you to really fully understand what it means to know Him. In this passage of Scripture, Paul says, Look, I, ca- I counted everything I had ever accomplished in my life as trash compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I now ca- count all things worthless compared to the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. And listen, if you know Paul, you know that Paul had some great accomplishments in his life. He had accomplished some great things, things that most of us would brag about. And, and he was forced to brag about it. He talked about it. He said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was you know, and circumcised on the eighth day. And he went through all these accolades that he had accomplished in his life. But he didn't do it so that he could take pride in that. He said, listen, all those accomplishments, all the things I've ever done, I count them as worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And it reminds me of Jesus when he was on the earth. He taught about the kingdom of God. And he, he mentioned the, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So they sell everything. Joyfully, for the buried treasure and the pearl of great price. And when you recognize that they are giving up some pretty valuable things, why? Because they realize that the value that they have found in the kingdom of heaven, the value that you find in Christ, you realize there's nothing in this life, nothing that this life can offer me that is greater than the value of knowing Jesus Christ. Because in the end, it doesn't matter what your job was. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter what's gone on in your life. What really matters at the end, and I've sat beside the bedside of many dying people, the only thing that matters at that moment is not how much you have. It's do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the great problems in the church today is that we have many people who know about Jesus, but not too many people who know Him intimately. We have many opportunities to learn about God through Sunday school, sermons, Bible studies, etc. I mean, we know that he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, Judea. His mama's name was Mary. He grew up in a town called Nazareth. He uh, visited the temple when he was 12 years old. He was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He, um, he uh, turned water into wine. He taught his followers about the kingdom of heaven. He healed the sick and performed other miracles. He was betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. 
Um, he was crucified on a cross. He was buried in a tomb that was not his own. He was raised from the dead on the third day and he ascended to the Father and now seated at the right hand of the Father. Listen, we know all about the facts of the life of Jesus. There are people in this world that know all about Jesus, but my question this morning is, do they really know Him? They know all the incidents of His life from the manger to His cross. They've gathered a lot of information about Jesus, but they haven't taken the time to really get to know Him. They know the life of Christ, but they don't know the Christ of life. They admire His way among men, but they don't recognize Him as the way. There are many who know all about the, the teachings of Jesus, and, but they don't know Him as a person. If you have truly been with Christ, sitting at His feet and listening to His words then I hope that there is a a hunger and a desire within you to say, listen, listening to what He taught, listening to how much He loved me, how much He cared for me, that He gave His life for me, I hope that there's a longing within each and every one of us to say, I want to know Jesus. And if if you come to that point, I believe that you're ahead of most people who would claim that they're Christians today. Why is this? Well, David, I think, is a, is, is a great example. We, we know of him as a man after God's own heart. And God took me to this verse, and as I looked at this verse, I said, after you read this verse, I think you can understand why he was a man after God's own heart. Let's look at Psalm 63. I'm going to have to pull up my, my glasses. It shows us this reason. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Do you see the passion in that? Do you hear the the passion? I wish I could give credence to that. I wish I could really show you the passion that David wrote with that when he wrote that. He wanted a relationship with God. Paul prays for, for us. He prays for the Ephesians, but he also prays for us in Ephesians chapter 3.18 when he says that we may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, Paul is praying for the Ephesians and for us the greatest prayer that we could ever pray for anybody who is a believer and that is that God would just take you deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship with Him. That His ways become your ways and your eyes become what he sees and you see things the way that he wants to. And as I'm looking at this and God is showing me this, he says, I want you, Tim, to know me. I want you to desire to know me, to have that that ultimate um, inside feeling that, that you want to know me above everything else. And during that time, God brought me to a audio recording and I don't have the auto recording. I've seen it um, on, on the internet and all that. But it was an audio recording of Dr. S.M. Lockridge. And it impacted me in a, in a tremendous way. And I just want to share it with you. Again, I'm going to have to put my glasses on to read this. But let's listen to this. Maybe it will impact you the way they impacted me. And this is what he says. He says, the Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He is the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. 
He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder Him from pouring out His blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know Him? He's the greatest phenomena that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's Savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of Himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call Him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know Him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and He sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know Him. Well, my King is the King. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know Him? Well, His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you, but He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get Him out of your mind, and you can't get Him off of your hand. You can't outlive Him, and you can't live without Him. The Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him. And the grave couldn't hold Him. Yeah, that's my King. That's my King. And he finishes by saying, Father, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever. And when you get through with all the forevers, amen. Amen. What does it mean to know Christ? It's to know Him experientially. Or to know personally or to know by personal involvement with. That is what it means to know Christ. And listen, we can attend all the, 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 the sermons we want to. We can, we can be involved in, in small Bible studies. We can do all that and miss the whole thing about who, knowing who He is. Moses, in Exodus chapter 33, says this. He says, listen, God, if you're pleased with me, Teach, you, teach me your ways, why? So I may know you and to continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So in Exodus, Moses prays, God, I'm asking, please, Lord, teach me your ways. Why? Because I want to know you. And then in Psalm 
103 verse 7, we read this. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. Do you notice the difference? To Moses, He made known His ways. To the people of Israel, He made known His works or His deeds. So, you look and you see the people of Israel experienced all these miracles from God. The parting of the Red Sea, the the manna and the quail that God would bring into their camp so that they could eat. They experienced all these miracles, but all they saw were the works of God. And Moses prayed, God, I want to know your ways. And the Bible tells us that Moses knew the ways of God. Moses knew God because he took the time to get to know Him. The children of Israel were constantly frenetic. You know, they, they were worried, they were murmuring, and you would think just experience the works of God, just experience the deeds of God, that they would not be concerned, but they were constantly concerned. And so Moses said, God, show me your ways. And God showed him, listen, this is who I am. This is why I do these things. And Moses was able to experience God in an intimate way that the people of Israel were not able to. Moses knew God because he spoke to him face to face. Listen, you won't know God merely by studying about Him. You will only know Him by continuing in communion with Him every day. You cannot love a person until you know His ways, and you cannot know His ways until you spend time with Him. That's what a quiet time with God is all about. I don't do that so I can check off a box and say, look at what I've done. I've completed my quiet time with God for the day. Now I can get on the rest of my day. But you spend time with God because you want to know Him. Listen, look at this passage of Scripture, Jeremiah. God, speaking, says, I will give them a heart to what? To know me. That I am the Lord, they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. The Bible tells us that God has put within each and every one of us a heart to know Him. I don't know about you, but I want to know the man who gave his life for me. I want to, like John in Revelation, behold the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are many people in the world today who have heard of Christ and read about Christ, and that is enough for them. But I want to tell you, it's not enough for me, and I hope that it's not enough for you. The Apostle Paul did not say, I know whom, or I've heard of whom I believed. No, he said, I know whom I have believed. I know Him. To hear about Christ is a good thing, but it's essential that you know Him in order that you may be partakers of eternal life. Listen, this morning I'm challenging you not to be content until you know that you know Him. That He is your soul's present portion. Many have been baptized and brought into church fellowship. And everyone thinks they must be a follower of Christ. And yet you can attend every meeting, read the latest books, give money in the offering plate, take communion, and, and, and pray to Him every day and still not know Him. Do not be satisfied with thinking you know Him or hoping that you know Him. My challenge today is to get to the place that you say, man, I know Him intimately. He's offered Him. He put a heart uh, inside of me to know Him. And I'm not going to hold that heart back. I'm going to allow that heart to experience Him in the greatest way. Next scripture, John 10. 
I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. John 17, after Jesus said this, He looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You. For You granted Him authority over all people that He might give eternal life to all those You have given Him. Now this is eternal life. Man, this one jumped off the page at me too. This is eternal life that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. Jesus says, listen, you know what? We all want eternal life, right? But eternal life, you know what real eternal life is? Knowing Him. And so there are people that are satisfied with just saying, listen, I got all... Man, I did another study. I'm in three studies right now. I've heard people brag about how many studies they're doing right now. And my question to them is, I want to ask them. I don't ask them this because I don't want to be offensive. My question that I want to ask them is, so is it making any difference in your life? Study after study after study? At what point do you say, man, I'm not all about the study. I'm all about the person behind the study. I want to know Jesus. 1 John 7, or 1 John 2, I'm sorry. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Question, do you obey God's Word? Look at this. We know that we know God if we keep His commandments. Do you keep God's commandments? That's a telltale sign of whether we know Him or not. Is the Bible your final rule of faith and practice? He is saying here that one way grace is evidence in the life of a person who claims to be a Christian is that they live a life of obedience. You guys remember years and years ago, uh, Keith Green, the, uh, the um, uh, singer, music, he wrote music and he sang Keith Green. It's a, I'm telling on my age right now, the young people are like, who? You know, all right, Keith Green. All right, so Keith Green had a song that he put out, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice. I just want to read the words of this, this um, song that he wrote. Listen to this. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear you say, I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. Will you speak of grace and my love so sweet, how you thrive on milk but reject my meat? And I can't help weeping of how it will be if you keep on ignoring my words. Will you pray to prosper and succeed, but your flesh is something I can't feed. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want more than Sundays and Wednesday nights, because if you can't come to me every day, then don't bother coming at all. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want hearts of fire, not your prayers of ice. And I'm coming quickly to give back to you according to what you have done. Do you remember what Jesus told His disciples in that upper room when He washed their feet? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then He goes on to say, the one who says... He abides in Him, ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. If you're abiding in Christ, then one thing that will happen is you will walk like Christ. In other words, you'll live like Christ. And how did Christ live? He lived His life in obedience to His Father. It's like the process of discipleship. The student becomes like the teacher. To abide in Christ 
is to experience a life-giving relationship of the deepest and closest sorts with God through Christ Jesus. A relationship that issues forth not in passivity and indifference and indolence and inattention to duty, but a relationship that issues forth in activity and commitment and effort and love for God's will and following after Christ's way of living. You know, and, and I've heard over and over again in churches where it's a whole thing about easy believism. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that it's, it's easy. It's simple. And God has made it very simple. Listen, you just need to accept Christ. But living a Christian life in the world that we find ourselves today is a difficult thing. It's tough. And we can't do it on our own. As a matter of fact, when people look at me, I don't want them to see me struggling day to day to try to live up to the standards of Christ. What I want them to see is me not struggling at all, but allowing Christ to live His life in me and through me on a daily basis. I want them to see Jesus. Don't see me. See Him. To abide in Christ is to experience that life-giving relationship. More simply put, John says that if we abide in Christ, if we know Christ in an experiential way, we ought to walk in the same manner as Christ walked. John is saying that if Christ has truly cleansed us, our life should resemble Christ's life. To know Christ then is to become like Him. I'm reminded of the time that Moses went up on the mountain and went face to face with God. You remember that encounter? And he comes back down off the mountain and the people are like, Oh Moses, man, man, we can't even look at you. Because he was reflecting the glory of God. And so Moses takes a veil and he puts it over his face so the people can look at him and can share with them the things of God. Listen, when we spend time with God face to face, we will reflect His glory. And when people look at us, they're going to notice something that is different about us. They're not going to see, again, me struggling. They're going to say, man... Tim, I see the fruit of the Spirit. Remember the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Ephesians where Paul lists it? And the first one he says is, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Right? Love will be evidence in our life. And listen to this in 1 John 4, 8. Look at this verse. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And when we spend time with Him and we allow Him to be our portion and we live day to day in the presence of God, we will reflect the love of God to others. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Listen, it's nothing to have heard about Him, to have talked about Him, to have eaten and drank with Him, to have preached Him, or even to have worked miracles in His name, to have been charmed by His eloquence, to have been stirred with the story of His love, to have been moved to imitate Him. This shall gain you nothing unless you win Him, unless you're found in Him. Seek with the Apostle Paul to give up all of your own righteousness, all of your own doings, and just say, my soul's purpose in this life is to know Jesus intimately. It's not about how many Bible studies. It's not about any of that stuff. It's all about getting to know Him. 2 Thessalonians. So you ask this question. Why is this so important? Knowing Him. We can agree with that. That's a simple statement. God wants us not to know only about Him. 
He really wants us to know him. That's an easy statement to say, but why, so, why is this so important? Why, why, why are you harping on this this morning, Tim? Let, let me just show you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know Him. Listen. When Jesus returns, punishment begins with the people who do not know Him and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Titus, verse 1, 16. Next verse. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Listen, the reason it's so important is because judgment from God begins with those that don't know Him. Now with that statement, I think we can safely say that there are people gathered in worship services all across this nation this morning who don't know God. People who are coming together to worship our Lord and Savior who have never taken the time in their lives to say, God, I want to know you. I don't want to just add you to my life. Paul writes, in a, and I can't remember exactly where it's at, but he writes, he goes, in Christ who is our life. Jesus paid way too much of a price for us, for us to just add him to our lives. But that's what many people have done. We just added him to everything else we do. It's Sunday, it's the day of the Lord, and we go to church and we do all those things, but man, the rest of the week we put Him on a shelf and we never call upon Him again until next Sunday when we come again. And I'm telling you that God wants to go deeper with us. As Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 expresses his great desire to know Christ more intimately, he also understood the fact that it would involve following Him even to the point of experiencing His sufferings. And we have to understand that when we make a commitment to Christ, it does not mean that it's an easy life from that point on. It means that it's going to be a struggle. And it may even result, and I'm telling you, our nation is going in a direction that it's going to happen sooner than later, that we're going to be held up. We already are in some ways. If you want to stand for the truth of God's Word, go ahead and do it in Burlington, North Carolina. I guarantee you there will be people who will come up and say, Who are you? Doesn't the Bible say, Judge not lest you be judged? And they're going to come against you. If you stand on the principles of God's Word, it's happening in our society right now, today. People who are being ridiculed because they're standing for the truth of God's Word. John 14, 25, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I want to point this out because this was something that really, really struck me. Is that God is basically saying, listen, if you will live your life in obedience as you're obedient... The God, Jesus said, God the Father and Jesus the Son will make their home in our hearts. You know what that says to me? Quite simply, if you will obey God, He will make Himself available to you. He will take you deeper and deeper into the relationship 
that he, he wants to have with you. Do you know, do you want to know God, not just theoretically, but experientially? Do you? When you look at this concept of knowing God, not just knowing about Him, it makes you realize that there's much more to this relationship than what we already know. And, and there's more than what we already have. Did the people that we looked at this morning have a relationship with God that you and I can't have? No. I don't think so. I don't think God said, hey, I've, I've, I've selected just a few to have an intimate relationship. I think the death of His Son upon the cross and the promise of the indwelling Holy Spirit tells us that He said, I want to get closer. I want to get so close that I'm going to be inside of you. I mean, think about Old Testament. You think, well, well, you know, Moses, he experienced God in a great way. But you know what? They built a tabernacle for him. And he lived in the tabernacle and a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night. And he lived right there with them. And you think, man, you can't get any closer than that. And he goes, oh, yes, I can. And he came closer and he said, listen, when Jesus died up on the cross, he said, you go back and you wait. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, he said, now I am within you. You talking about close? You can't get any closer than that. He lives inside of us. And then look at 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. At that point, we will know God in a full measure of who He is, the way that He knows us in the full measure of who we are. And listen, when these great men of faith talk about knowing Christ, they're talking about those who have experienced Christ. Those are, uh, are, they're talking about those who know Christ in such a way that it has changed their life. It's like when a soldier comes back from war and he comes back to the civilians who stayed behind and they say, well, how was it? And he says, listen, there's, there's no way you'll be able to understand if I tried to explain it to you. And he's not being rude. He's just simply saying, listen, there's some things that you can only experience you can only understand because you have experienced. And this knowing, that Christ, knowing Christ the way that Paul is talking about and the way that the Scriptures point out and the way it became real, real to me is, is not something that you're just going to be able to get. It's something that you're going to have to experience. I can tell you all about it. I can tell you how close I felt to God during those times I was dealing with, with the surgery and everything that, that followed with this cancer. But you need to experience those things for yourself. If you've experienced the cleansing reality of Christ, you live by a different set of rules in the world. You become a person who acts in accordance to Scripture rather than in accordance to the shifting standards of our society. If Christ has truly cleansed us, our life should resemble Christ's life. To know Christ then is to become like Christ. To know Jesus Christ is to have a personal relationship with the live, risen, living Christ. It's, it's to experience the living presence of Christ in our daily life. Paul had a close relationship with Christ, but it continued to grow and grow and grow until his death. Paul had a hunger to enter into a more personal, intimate, experiential knowledge of his Lord. My question is, what do I hunger and thirst for? What do I hunger for in my spiritual life? What am I looking for when it comes to Christ and my relationship with Him? Paul does not want to know about Christ or just the facts about His resurrection. Paul said, I want to know Christ. And again, the word that Paul uses here indicates personal knowledge, not simply intellectual knowledge. It is not about facts and principles. It's about a personal experience with another person. Paul's aim is not knowing about Jesus. He personally wants to know Him. It's a growing thing, this relationship with Jesus. To be honest with you, I think the whole aim of the Christian life is to know Him. It's to know Him. Now listen, when you intimately know Christ, 
His desires become yours. And when you see lost people, man, the one thing you want to do is you want to say, hey, listen, I got, I got something in me that I need to share with you. I got something that happened to me in my life that you need to know about. To know Christ is, is who we are. It is, to, it is to know Him in a way that goes much deeper than a mere knowledge of who He is. It's a relationship with Him. For Paul began at conversion and it continues and it does the same for us. It begins at conversion and Christ does not want our conversion to be the end. It's the beginning of a relationship with Him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Paul wrote, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's only when we realize our acute, chronic spiritual poverty that we will avail ourselves to Him. The only principle by which God works is to feed the hungry. Are you hungry for a relationship with Him? Are you hungry to know Him intimately to the place that you know God's will? It's not a matter of trying to figure it out. It's because, man, He's revealing it to you because you are in sync with what God is doing in and through you. Has the Holy Spirit created in your heart a desire to know Jesus more intimately? The Bible says that God has put a heart within us to know Him. Are you occupied with Him? Do you wake up with Christ every morning and live each day in the sense of His presence? This is the kind of satisfying knowledge of Christ that is the passion of Paul and it should be our passion as well. The inexhaustible, indescribable person of the Lord Jesus Christ is available to each and every one of us every day of our lives. Do you want to go deeper and deeper into the heart of Jesus Christ? Do you want to go deeper and deeper into the love of Jesus Christ? Do you want to go deeper and deeper into the joy of Christ? May the Spirit of God give us a hungering and thirsting for the person of Jesus Christ. I told you God's continued to add to this story. It's been 12 years since I went through that surgery. A couple years before that, God took me to this. So it's been 12 years and I'm cancer free. Praise the Lord. But he was taking me to these passages of Scripture about knowing him because he was getting ready to take me on a journey. And the journey was when you come to the bottom of everything, you have nothing to hold on to. You don't have your health anymore. You got family, which I'm thankful for my family. They were there every step of the way, especially my wife. But in reality, you have nothing else but him. And if you don't have a relationship with Him, I don't know what you've got. What do you hold on to? You know, what comfort can you give someone who is on their deathbed? What comfort can you give them if they don't have God, if they don't have Jesus? And so we chase after so many things. We chase after popularity. We chase after possessions. We, we chase after all these different things. And in the end, that doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is do you know Him? Now, I'm going to close with this. So if you want to come forward, we're going to close with this. Natalie Grant has a song out. It's not, it's not been out too long. That's why I say God keeps adding to this story. She has a song out called More Than Anything. And here's the words that she says. She says, Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me know or help me want the Savior 
more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. That's my challenge this morning. We as a people, we can look and say we're not bad people. and We're, we're not. You're, you're a group of great people and I know you love the Lord. But every once in a while, I believe that God puts things in front of us. I've been a pastor, minister, whatever other titles I've held, counselor, all kinds of different things for 33 years in the Charlotte area. I'm doing something now that I haven't done ever before in my life simply because we think God called us to this camp. I don't know what that means. I don't know how long I'm going to be there. But I just knew I had to answer the call. I had to go where God was calling me. And when you have that intimate relationship with Him, and listen, I didn't have it. Listen, all those years leading up to this, I'm talking about probably 20, 20, 21 years. I thought I had a relationship. I knew all about the Bible. I knew all kinds of scriptures. I memorized so many scriptures and, and I felt like I could teach with, with the best of with them. But, but God that day told me, I want you to know me. And I didn't know what that meant, to be honest with you. I thought, yeah, one day I'll know you. I'll know you because I'll, I'll be in your presence and I'll know you. And God's like, no, no, you don't understand, Tim. I'm getting ready to take you somewhere that you've never been before. And if you'll just hang on, you're going to understand on the other side. I'm on the other side now looking back and I understand God prepared me for one of the worst things in my life. But it has been one of the most beneficial things that have ever happened to me because He was in it. And it took me to a deeper relationship with Him. One I thought I had. I thought I had a great relationship with Him. But He said, I'm not satisfied with where you're at, Tim, because you're holding back. Can you hold back? Do we hold back? Yes, we do. And I kept thinking, you know, when I was in college, I kept thinking, you know, when I get out of college. I got into ministry as a youth minister. I thought, you know what, one day, um, people used to ask me this, one, one day you'll get your own church. I don't know what that meant. But anyway, um, yeah, it's not my church, it's his, you know. And I would never say it's Tim's church because it's not my church, it would be his church. And I kept thinking, well, well, one day. And then I got that senior ministry position. I thought, yeah, one day, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deeper and deeper. And then when this happened, it was not a choice. It was God's going to take me deeper. I want to challenge you today. Let him take you deeper. Cancer is a, a hard word to hear. And I'd say probably the majority of you in here has somebody close to you that's been affected by cancer. So cancer is not an easy word to hear. And I'll end with this. I'd go through it again. Hmm. Simply because of the relationship and the love that I felt from him.